Hello and welcome to MA Fight Club. Yours truly, Manny G. This is a impromptu, very late last minute breakdown of Bellator 299. I couldn't help myself. I had some requests to do a breakdown and there's just so many good fights in the card that I figured, why not jump into it? Of course, with Bellator supposedly selling their business at some point soon to maybe PFL or another buyer, this also could be one of the last few Bellator cards. And for sentimental reasons, I felt like I couldn't not do some coverage of Bellator 299. Now, there's 21 fights. I mean, it's two cards worth of fights, which is very much the Bellator style. Many of the early fights are newcomers, more or less like contender series type of level of fighters. We're going to skip over a handful of fights. I think four or five fights we, we skipped over in total. The rest of them, a very brief overview. You have to forgive us. This week we had contender series, and of course you've got UFC Fight Night Fiziev uh, versus Gamrot. So it's tough to squeeze in a third promotion in the same week with our shows and everything else. But again, we're going to squeeze in some coverage here. Hopefully, give you a few spots that I think are good spots from a betting perspective. We also will release a full uh, tip sheet for Bellator 299. That'll come out at some point uh, later on Friday, and, and today is Friday, so it'll be coming out later today. If you're subscribed to our newsletter, awesome, thank you, your support's appreciated. But if you're not, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to our newsletter. It's super cool, very informative, tons of different research tools. Even if you're a light fan, it gives you some insight that maybe you wouldn't have known on some fighters. And if you're more of an avid fan, there are still some things there that maybe you can use to your benefit. For example, our video library. If you don't know, we do include video links in our Excel sheet. The Excel sheet is available on our Google Drive. It's absolutely free. It's accessible to anyone in the world who has the link. The links are available in usually our video uh, breakdown videos and also definitely in our newsletter. At the bottom of the newsletter, it'll say click here to access our data sheet. In the data sheet, you have the information you can find anywhere, like the records and their ages and stuff, but also our personalized grading system on how we measure each fighter in certain categories, and then also links to their prior fights. Now, for Bellator 299, uh, did not put links from prior fights, just did not have the time to take that deep of a dive. But for most cards, you know, the Contender Series cards, UFC cards, if we're doing uh, an Invicta event, a PFL event, most of the time, uh, there will be links there in our video library. So for Bellator 299, uh, no go on that. But the Excel sheet's still up there. There's some still information up there on the fighters, and you have the, the current betting lines, and you have our picks, who we have to win. Without further ado, let's jump into Bellator 299. Oh, one more thing. I had a chance to speak to two fighters in this card. Unfortunately, one of them was Luke Trainer. Plan to do an interview with him soon, but his fight was canceled. I'm not sure if you know, but his opponent, unfortunately, didn't pass the medicals. Uh, the other fighter I spoke to was, was Pedro Carvalho, who's fighting up high on the main event. Planning to talk to him again after the fight and uh, do an interview. So had a chance to speak to a few fighters. That also, too, was like, what am I doing, dude? I've got to do a breakdown of this card. Um, it would be a little bit neglectful on my part. Uh, if you don't know, it's being held in Dublin, Ireland. So you have a rabid fan base there, a few fighters from Ireland on the card. And uh, so they'll be jacked up. They'll be drinking their cervezas or their pub beers or whatever they call them over there in Ireland, um, having a good time. It's available. The prelims are on YouTube, totally free. But then the main card is going to be broadcast on Showtime. So you will need a subscription to Showtime or some kind of other means, wink, wink, if you know what I mean, to be able to catch the fights. 
All right, let's go right down to the first fight in the card. It's a female bout. Chira Penko, who goes by Beastie Barbie, versus Mackenzie Stiller, who goes by Matt Judo. And not a lot to talk about because of a lack of experience on both sides, but I am going to tell you, I'm fairly confident in the Stiller side. Uh, she's only got a very small sample size. Of course, one pro fight dominated that pro fight. But going back on her amateur experiences where you start to get a better feel for who she is, this girl has submissions, obviously, in her arsenal. And if you look at her topology, you see that one submission after another. Very athletic. Now, she might be a one-trick pony. She goes by Matt Judo. Uh, but I like her by round one submission. Uh, I believe that's where she finishes the fight. Let me give you their particulars real quickly here before I give you a few more notes. So Chira Penko, a lot more experience, eight and three overall, four and one in her last five, hails from Italy, slight dog here around plus 110 to plus 105. 27 years old in 10 months, about to be 28, a good age range uh, for this point in her career. Five foot five with a 66 inch reach. So height and reach wise, there will be a significant advantage on the side of Penko, about three inches in height and about four inches in reach. She's out of Rendoki jo Dojo, excuse me, and for Mackenzie Stiller out of One Touch Fight Team Academy. For Stiller, 24 years old, very young, from Wisconsin. Again, will be shorter. She's the grappler. That's what she does. And when you look back again on her amateur experience, you're seeing uh, just tons of finishes by submission. I believe all of them were by submission. Okay. So for Stiller, made her pro debut earlier this year. Impressive round one armbar win. She won all four of her amateur bouts by round one submission as well. At only 24 years old, Stiller has a legit future. She has plenty of time to round out her game. Now, for now, she has to lean on her grappling to defeat fighters like Penko, which is fine. I think fighters like Penko, she can use her grappling to dominate her. The only concern that we have for Mac Judo is her lack of pro experience. Otherwise, what's not to like about her? She's active. She's young. Usually wins in dominant fashion, essentially checking all the boxes you want to see for a young prospect. So just on that side of the equation, just hearing that side without hearing Penko's side, at minus 148 on DraftKings, I think you're getting some good value on Mackenzie Stiller. Now, round one submission, will that prop open up on DraftKings? I don't know. If it's not available on DraftKings, maybe check another book. But I think round one submission, round two submission for Stiller is really look at. That's been her only method of victory so far. As for Penko, last fight was about a year ago. Not so bad, but not as active, again, as her opponent. For Penko, won that bout by split decision over a four and four fighter. Now, prior to that, she defeated a 5-5-1 five, five opponent. So the last two, excuse me, fighters are in essence 500-level fighters. To say the least, she's not facing tough competition. Now, if you go back a little further on her resume, you'll notice she lost to Danny McCormick and Carolina Wojcik. With all due respect, those are decent fighters, average Bellator-level fighters. But if you see Danny McCormick fight enough and you've seen Carolina Wojcik fight enough, you know... They're definitely not the creme to the creme, right? And if Penko was struggling with them, she's going to have a hard time with someone like Stiller. Penko likes to grapple. That's another thing that's very important here. She has a handful of submissions. She'll welcome the ground game. At that point, if she does that, she might expose herself to being finished. She has been submitted before. Now, the one advantage that she does have for Penko over Stiller is pro experience, as we said before. This will mark her 12th professional fight compared to the second fight for Stiller. When the fight hits the mat, we're going to find out, as they say, we're going to find out who's the better grappler, who's the better judo practitioner, who's the better jiu-jitsu. Our money is on Mac Judo. Mac Judo, that's a good nickname, Stiller. So under two and a half rounds, the fight does not go the distance, and the fight ends by submission or spots we like. 
Stiller also by submission, and then Stiller on the money line. Very confident, very high on Stiller here. Female bout, this is blown up in our faces before when we've got on a fighter where we like him so much. Uh, this line is probably appropriate. It's just we are kind of falling for Stiller. I think that she's got the ability. She makes this look easy for a straw weight, 115 pounds, all these finishes. Give me Stiller. Give me Stiller by round one armbar. Let's keep it moving. Up next, we have a lightweight battle, 155-pounders Mark Ewan versus Noah Gugnon. At first glance, I'll tell you, I did not want to look into this fight because I'm not familiar with the fighters, and they're both 4-0. and zero. Then you got this guy, Mark Ewan, at minus 300. So I'm like, oh, a lot of things to me that are kind of scary, especially its lack of experience, a, a wide line. Just from past experience, betting experience, you probably just want to bet on Noah Gugnon like a dog a past thing and keep it going. But I had some more time. I did take a further look at the fight, and I am on Mark Ewan to win, though I'm not super confident, and I will not be parlaying him. Let me get that out of the way right now. As for my method of victory, I think Mark Ewan by round number two knockout, that's my preferred method of victory. Let's talk some details on these two guys real quickly. All right, on Tapology, you've got Mark Ewan at four and zero. He's out of Scotland. No height, no reach on him, and uh, it is what it is, right? I'm going to assume he's around 5'10", around the same height as his opponent. He's out of higher-level mixed martial arts. For his opponent here, Noah Gugnan, out of old dog as a gym, but it's very indicative of fighters we don't know much about. They don't even have things like, for example, age in these guys. Now, if you scour the internet, you'll probably find their information. I didn't have the time. So if you know their age, feel free to post it below. But my man over here, Mr. Uh, Noah Gugnan, he's 4-0 as well. He's from France. The dog here, five foot ten out of old dog gym. Old dog? He's a dog. All right. Let me give you some more information on these two fighters, the things that I found. They're both undefeated, right? have finished all of their fights, right? So eight combined fights, not, not a single time have they got a decision. The biggest difference, though, between them is on paper, look at the amateur record, right? So Noah's got four pro fights. Okay, so does so does Mark. But Mark has 14, 15 amateur bouts. He went 11-3-1, whereas Gugnan had one amateur bout. So from an experience perspective, that to me was like ding, ding, ding. Mark has been fighting a little bit more. He's more active. He, he's, been, he's been in the octagon just a lot more time, put it that way. Now, based solely on their resumes, the safest wager here, like I think a freebie, is the fight just not going the distance, like the fight going under two and a half rounds, the fight ending somehow, knockout, whatever. In their combined fights, they've never seen the scorecards. Ewan had 15 amateur fights. Check this out. 15, right? Only three of those with the decision. So, you know, Mark Ewan does not go to decisions, and neither does Noah Gugnan. The under two and a half and fight no distance are some freebies. It just depends on what the market puts them at. So, for example, if fight no distance is minus 500, yeah, I'll put that in my pipe and smoke it. I will put that into my parlay with a lot of confidence. I'm fine with that. Now, if it's minus 650, nah, that's beyond my threshold. Under two and a half, hopefully that's like minus 400 maybe, maybe minus 350. Who knows? That's some good value because, again, this fight is not going the distance. Give me Mark Ewan by a round two knockout. Low confidence on my pick to win. Not going to play Mark Ewan straight up. Not going to parlay him. If you got to play money line, I think your better off responsible bet would be on Noah Gugman. But uh, give me the guy who's got more experience and give me the fight. No distance under two and a half. Let's move on. Next up, we've got the big boys, heavyweights, 265 pounders. Sergey Bailostini versus Kasim Aris. All right, before I give you the numbers and the details and whatnot, let me give you my pick. I like Sergey Balasini by round one knockout. 
He's a minus 218 favorite. Kasim Aris is plus 180. I agree with the market, though a little surprised that Sergey's not a bigger favorite because based upon a small film I watched these two guys and their backgrounds, I think Sergey is definitely tuned here to win. He's the better fighter. He's more dangerous. And we'll talk more about that as we go through this breakdown. Looking at their details, Mr. Sergey Bailostini is 10-3 and three overall. He hails from Russia, 4-1 his last five. 27 years old, 11 months. That's essentially about to be 28. He's six foot one. No reach on him. No gym on him. As for Kasim Ares, seven and two overall. Good record. Three and two in his last five. Hails from Germany. 36 years old. So about 10 years older, which is not too not too old by any means for a heavyweight. Now he's 5'10, though. So shorter stature for a heavyweight with a 69-inch reach. So the height will be on the side of Palestini, but not by much. But he will be the bigger man. Okay, let's go over here and uh, go over my notes. What do I got here? So Sergey Balestini by round one knockout is my prediction. He's much younger, has a bigger upside, and has a size advantage over Aris, which we kind of just said all that, but I'm repeating myself. They're both coming into this fight off of losses, but in very different fashion. As the saying goes, not all losses are created equal. Sergey was dequalified, DQ'd, I'm sorry, because of strikes in the back of the head. He was kicking the mess out of Tyrell Fortune. In a fight where I believe Fortune may have been favored. And next thing you know, Fortune's like hiding for his life, covering up. They do a little review of the tape or whatever and determine that Sergei Balestini was DQ'd. But he should have won the fight. He just made a mental mistake. Now, meanwhile, my man Kasim Iris, his last fight, he lost outright by decision. No question about that. If Sergei brings the same energy and the mindset that he had against Tyrell Fortune in his last fight, aggressive going forward and whatnot, he's going to destroy Iris. Regardless of who wins, another fight where we're going to see some violence. This fight does not go the full distance. The fight not going no distance. The fight ends by knockout. And Sergey and line are all spots that we do like. We'll keep it moving here. But again, Sergey Balestini, I think he might even be a potential parlay piece. I like him a lot here over Kasim. Hopefully, it doesn't blow up my face. Let's move on. Next up on the card is a welterweight bout, 170 pounders, Nicola Soli versus Romain. Debeni, we did not get around to breaking down this fight. I'll at least, at least give you the odds, though. Currently, you've got Romain Debeni at minus 118, Nicola Soli at minus 102. A closely matched fight, according to the odds, 4-1 and one for Romain, 9-4 and four for Nicoli. But again, we did not touch this fight. Uh, if you have feedback, you want to leave some comments down below, uh, you're welcome to do so. Just, it was really time constraints. This fight required a little more time to research, and we didn't get there. So we're going to keep it moving. According to Tapology, this is the next fight. Luke Trainer versus Larnis Urbanovicius. But unfortunately, Captain Lithuania, Mr. Urbanovicius, he has had to pull off the fight. If you go on Instagram, Luke Trainer posted something about medicals, which I mean Urbanovicius just not passing some medical things, like having a medical issue. Not that he was using the juice, but uh, Trainer has put some stuff on Instagram over the last 24 hours or so. So this fight is probably not happening. It is on Tapology. We're going to skip this. And Oh, by the way, if it were to happen, Luke Trainer all day, every day. I was looking forward to seeing him fight. It's too bad. And hopefully we have a chance to interview him soon. But uh, let's keep moving up the card. Okay, making our way up the card. Featherweight bout, 145 pounders. We've got Josh O'Connor, who hails from Wales. And we got an Irish fighter, a black Irish fighter. You don't see that every day. Kenny Mok Ononona. I think I'm saying that correct. He goes by Black Diamond, must have some African roots, but uh, he calls Ireland home. 
I'm going to do myself a favor for the rest of the breakdown and refer to Mr. Black Diamond as just Kenny. That last name is going to beat me up. All right. Before I get to the details, we do like Kenny by a round one knockout. It's a 145-pound bout. He's got finishing ability. Kenny's currently lined at minus 185. You got Josh O'Connor at plus 154. Let me get the details on these two guys. O'Connor, 5-0 out of Wales. Undefeated record. Very impressive. Only 24 years old, about to be 25. 5'10", 71-inch reach out of 2-4 martial arts. As for Kenny, the Irish fighter, will get the home support, of course, right? Undefeated as well. 5-0, 26 years old. So these guys are mid-20s, undefeated. Very good matchup here. By the uh, Bellator matchmakers. Six foot in height for Kenny, 73 inch reach out of SBG Ireland. Of course, we that's knows the home of uh, Mr. Uh, Connor McGregor. So, some height and reach on the side of Kenny, very good athlete if you've watched him fight, but so is Josh Connor. Now, we're on the side of Kenny at minus 185, but I gotta tell you, this fight can go either way, and Josh Connor at plus 150 range, there's some good value there. The fight could end up in a multitude of ways. The one thing that we're pretty sure of, though, is it won't go over 1.5 rounds. It might not even be out of the first round. Combined, they have not been out of the first round in their last seven fights. In five pro fights, Kenny has never been to the third round. In five pro fights for Connor, has never been a decision. And he's only been past the first round on one occasion. If you like violence, sign up for this fight. Don't miss it. It'll be free. It'll be, what, sixth fight in the card, fifth fight in the card on YouTube. Got to catch this fight. Going to be exciting. These two guys have a future. They're both very good. They may even cross paths again down the line. The betting spots we like here are the fight going under 1.5. I mean, book it. The fight ends by knockout. Book it. And Kenny Moknakonona, trying the best I can, wins in round one. If you like Connor, I would go with Connor by round one knockout, too. Someone's getting knocked the F out in round number one. Give me Kenny to win the fight, have his hand raised. Let's keep it moving. Next up is a featherweight bout, 145-pounders. Asil Adouj, who goes by the Sultan, versus Ibrahim Hassan. This fight, we did not go over. Now, Asil is the big favorite. Again, didn't have time to look into it. We're going to pass in this fight altogether. Just be careful. These fights where we haven't looked into it, we've got Asal at, what, currently sitting around minus you know, 300 range, it's 325 now. A little scary, unproven prospects, don't know what to expect. We're going to skip this fight altogether. Let's move on. Next up, a lightweight battle, 155-pounders, Attila Korkmaz versus Davey Gallen. Again, a fight we didn't have time to look at, a fight I would have liked to have researched, but one thing that kind of caught my eye was how evenly matched they are. Now, currently, you've got Gallen at minus 155, Korkmaz at plus 130, if you're going to wager in this fight, these guys are super similar, similar experience, records, age, the whole nine. You're going to have to do some research. You're going to have to watch some film. We couldn't get a good lean right away, so we skipped over this fight. Let's move on. Next up, featherweight bout, 145 pounders, Otto Rodriguez versus Brian Moore. Moore goes by the Pipeman, and he is from Ireland, so he will be the hometown kid in this match. Before we get into the breakdown, we'll tell you that we do like Otto Rodriguez to win this fight by a round number two submission. And we'll try to convince you of that. Uh, people who do like Brian Moore, I get it. Rodriguez is like flavored at minus 165. Moore is plus 140. Uh, let's get to the numbers in these two guys. All right. So Brian Moore will be the hometown kid. He's 16-9 overall, 3-2 in his last five. He's from Wexford, Ireland, 36 years old, 5'8 with a 69-inch reach. And he trains out of SBG Ireland and also SBG Charleston. As for the Brazilian, Otto Rodriguez, 13-1 overall. Impressive record. 35 years old, about the same age. He's the favorite here. 5-0 in his last five. Actually on a long winning streak. 
five foot seven with a 67 inch reach out of Betty Atai and X Gym. One thing to note, though, about Rodriguez, he has been a very inactive fighter late, and that is one of our concerns. Let's talk here more about these two fighters. Right, Rodriguez, a tough Brazilian with an effective jiu-jitsu game. He's returning to the octagon after a two-year layoff. Now, prior to that, he hadn't fought in four years. Thus, he has one fight in the last six years. That's pretty inactive. The lack of activity is a major concern for us. Now, to his credit, he's on a 14-fight winning streak. You know, so he's doing something right. He hasn't lost a fight since 2008. Three of his five most recent wins were by submission. If he can't secure a finish, he'll rack up enough control time to usually win in the scorecards. That's his style. Competition has been, and eh. For more, has been much more active the past few years and has faced better competition. His last two defeats were to Lubo and Mikhailov, both by decision and both good fighters. He's proven he can hang with some of the best guys in the division. So long as he can avoid getting submitted, which is easier said than done, he has a shot here. If you like more, it's by decision. It seems like the best path to victory for him to win this fight. His last five fights have gone the distance. Now, the betting spots here we like, over 1.5 rounds. That's, again, more has the propensity to go longer. I think he's good enough to at least defend the early submission attempts from Rodriguez. The second prop here is more by decision and then Rodriguez by submission. So those are the three spots we like. Either the fight goes a little bit longer, it goes towards more side, or Rodriguez finds a submission. The long layoff, though, big red flag. You know, bet with caution. I won't be tag touching them at all here, but maybe put a sprinkle on one of these props. Again, auto Rodriguez by a round two submission. Let's move on. Up next, another featherweight bout. Dara Kelly, the mobile mauler versus Jelly Ziegers. Barbarius is his nickname. Interesting. All right, so... Dara Kelly is one of the biggest favorites in the card. I mean, basically can't bet the line. He's minus 1450 at the time I'm reading this to you guys, and plus 850 for Jelly Ziegers. We have to remind ourselves it is a fight, right? I mean, anything is possible. People do get hurt. People just get shoulders and stuff. You know, anything is possible. This line is uh, a bit outrageous. Uh, Kelly's four and zero. He doesn't have a lot of experience, but uh, he should win. Uh, here's our expectation here. We like Kelly by round one submission. That is our prediction. And we'll just say right now, not much to discuss here. Uh, the, the records don't really tell us much because lack of experience, right? Kelly's four and zero. This guy's two and two. Uh, Kelly's from Ireland. Jelly Zellers is from Netherlands. Kelly is 25 years old. Zellers is 28. Height and reach, we don't have those numbers on Zelly but, uh, or Jelly. <laughs> but Dara Kelly has a six foot height, 72 inch reach, good size, out of SBG Ireland. I mean, has all the advantages here. He'll be the hometown kid, good gym. They're obviously giving him a layup here. They're padding his record, all those things. If you're going to bet in the fight, though, you have to find a submission prop or finishing prop that makes the sense, makes the most sense here. So, um, and the money line being again minus fourteen fifty, you can't touch it, right? Now, whatever you do, do not, do not parlay people at minus fourteen fifty. Kelly or anyone else, just don't do it. I mean, we just saw what happened with Adesanya recently, being completely overpriced, right? It's a fight. It's two grown ass men. Um, these odds are a bit wild, but um, if you're going to bet on Kelly, it's it's something inside that first round. It's probably by a submission. It's him finishing the fight. But again, I'm going to warn you, ankle sprains, dislocated fingers, things happen. This is not tennis. No offense to people who play tennis, but it's not, a con it's not a contact sport. This is a contact sport. Shit goes down. You get hit with a lucky knee or something. Next thing you know, people who've got jelly zeggers on their, on their tickets are going to be celebrating. Plus 850. That's crazy. All right, some betting spots here. Under 1.5 if it's playable. If it's exceeding minus like 400 or so, I ain't playing that. <laughs> but if it's around minus 400 or better, I'll play it. Kelly by round one submission and Ziegers 
on the money line. I'm going to have a play, maybe 15 bucks or so on Zegers. 15 bucks will return you over 100 bucks in winnings if this guy pulls it off. But Kelly will win, and Kelly will win in round number one. Let's keep it moving. Up next, another featherweight bout. There's just tons of featherweight bouts on this card. 145-pounders, Kassan Magomed, Sharapov versus Piotr Nedzielski. Excuse me. Uh, Zelski is from Poland, and Kassan is obviously from Russia. Before we give you our pick, the line already tells you what's up here. <laughs> you know, you've got this guy, Magomed Sharapov, at minus 700. Piotr is plus 500. Now we're the same boat we were last fight. We got to find some props that make some sense because I ain't parlaying people at minus 700. Ain't going to do it, Captain. Ain't going to happen to me. But Kassan Magomed Sharapov, we have him winning by decision. Notably, you shouldn't be winning by decision if you're minus 700. So that right there is like a big red flag to me. I'm not saying go bet on Piotr. I'm just saying you can't be winning by decision if you're minus 700, which is what this guy's been doing recently. Let me get the numbers on these two fellas. All right. For Kassan Magomed Sharapov, 8-0. Very impressive Russian. Got the Magomed name. And he's from Matgala, Pakistan, Russia. 22 years old in 11 months. And two weeks and three days. About to be 23, in essence. 5'11", 71-inch reach. Has a little bit more height than Piotr, but a little less reach. For Piotr, 3-2 in his last five. 17-6 overall record. From Poland, 32 years old. So he's a little bit older. 10 years older. Getting towards the end of his prime years as a featherweight. And again, slightly taller with a little bit more reach. He's out of this gym called Zerwani Smok. It is a pretty good gym. It has a handful of good fighters, especially out there in the land of Poland. Polish fighters are good. They're tough. You ever heard of KSW? Good, good stuff. I do like uh, those fighters out there. Okay, let's get over here back to my notes. Kassan Magomed Sharapov by decision is the prediction. He's a minus 700 favorite. There's a lot to like about this guy. Um, he has uh, tons of ability, undefeated. But, I mean, it's still a fight, you know? And though he has a good finish rate early on, Kassan, that is, Piotr has only been finished once in 23 professional fights. So Magomed Sharapov, who has some finishes, I don't know if he finishes Piotr. Makes with the fight going the distance. At that point, do you want to be holding a Magomed Sharapov ticket? <laughs> Maybe it's best to pass in this fight altogether. But if you're going to bet, some spots I do think might be comfortable are the over 1.5. Again, Piotr is durable as heck. And then put a sprinkle on Piotr. 20 bucks to win 100 bucks. I mean, just saying. It, it's a wide line. Kassam Agamed Sharapov has not impressed me that much. He probably wins, and he probably wins by decision. Let's move on. Luca Poplet versus Roman Feraldo. Welterweight bout, 170 pounders. We did not cover this fight, so we're going to skip this one and keep moving. Up next, Bantamweight bout, 135 pounders, Siron Clark versus, that first name is tough. I'm going to just go by Mr. Gorny, okay? With a G, not with an H. Mr. Gorny goes by the Polish Wolf up against Siron Clark, a Bantamweight bout again. He's got your small, 135 pounders, very athletic. Let me go over their numbers with you real quick. Oh, by the way, we do like Siron Clark to win by round three submission. He's a minus 850 favorite, and Gorny's plus 575. These wide lines, again, you know, force you away from the money line, from the favorite, maybe take a look at the dog, and then also force you to look at some props, which we'll talk about in just a moment. As their numbers, Mr. Clark, 7-0, and zero, been really built up the right way. They've taken care of him in tour, built him up nicely, he's undefeated, and they're still giving him good fights, right, or fights that are easy for him to win. He's from Ireland, so he's the hometown kid. They're clearly giving him a fight to win, get the crowd going, you know, all that good stuff. 28 years old, 
five foot eight with a 66 inch reach. So he has about a slight reach and height advantage, a height disadvantage against the Polish Wolf, but not much of a factor, I don't believe. And for Siren Clark out of SBG Ireland, as are a lot of guys in this fight card. For Mr. Gorney, five and three overall, three to his last five. Five foot nine, 68.9 inch reach at a Berkshire's team star guard, which is a very good gym and uh, comes in here with a height and reach advantage and no age listed here on uh, the Polish Wolf. Doesn't look very old though. I have to imagine he's in the same late 20s, early 30s, uh, same wheelhouse as Mr. Clark. Okay, let me go over to my notes real quick. So Siren Clark by round three submission is our pick. It's pretty obvious to us that the matchmakers are padding his record. He's been a familiar size favorite in his last few fights. They continue to give him weak opponents. At some point, though, he's going to get tested. It just ain't going to be this weekend, okay? It's not going to be against Mr. Gorney. Notably, Clark won by decision in his last fight as a minus 400 favorite. A decision win for Clark is not outside the realm of possibility, which, quite frankly, would be disappointing for a minus 850 favorite to win by decision. Some betting spots here. Over 1.5 rounds, Gorney on the money line, and Clark by submission. We'll see what those... Prices look like when they all come out. But again, we're on Cyron Clark to win this fight by round number three submission. Next up, middleweight bout. 185-pounders, Gregory Babane goes by Blade versus Charlie Ward. He goes by Relentless. And I want no parts of this fight. I began looking at it, and I'm like, uh, what? 39 years old? Uh, 42 years old? Uh, yeah. No thank you. If you had to put a play here, maybe play some dangerous spots, the fight going under, but we did not break down this fight. Let's keep it moving. Danger, danger. Stranger, danger. Stay away. Next up, Mansoor Barnawi versus J.J. Wilson, and we did not break this fight down, but let me just give you a few quick tidbits on, on this fight. If I didn't do any film study, just based upon the top of my head and just I think this guy, Mansoor Barnawi, wins the fight. J.J. Wilson has not impressed me in his fights. He has potential, the Maori kid, as he goes by. But I would be on the side of Barnari. Again, didn't get to it. Didn't have time to research it. I'm on the side of Barnari. He's currently listed at um, minus 285. So you are paying the piper. But J.J. Wilson, has, he's been underwhelming. And uh, it sticks out to me, his last few fights. At plus 230, there's value on J.J. I'm going to skip this fight, though, move forward. But again, I would put a play on Barnari as a possible parlay piece. Let's keep it moving. Next up, welterweight bout, 170 pounders, Peter Queeley, the showstopper, a name that you, of course, recognize in Bellator, unless you've been under a rock the last few years, a fan favorite, the walkout music, had a title for two minutes, was in some good fights, and now he's on the cusp of, uh, of just, it's tough. He's in, a, he's in a bad rut. He needs to win here. We'll talk more about that in a second. He's up against Daniel Maselli, who goes by the Cyborg. All right, before we get into this breakdown, we'll tell you that we do like Peter Quilly by round two knockout. That is our prediction. And I'm going to tell you right now, before I get into this breakdown, I am one of the people that has fallen in love with Peter Quilly's walkout music and the zombie song and stuff. And he's you know, just a fan favorite. He's the guy you, you want to see him win. And he's had some good moments. But the numbers tell us a story that's not good. He's getting older. And I think even my pick here on him is a bit of nostalgia. I'm picking Peter Quilly, who finished, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mike Perry, whatever. Not Mike Perry. Um, one of the Pitbull brothers, right? Uh, that's the Peter Quilly that I'm thinking about. This line, though, outrageous. Minus 550 for Peter Quilly, plus 410 for Maselli. This is a bit wild. And it's just talking about the market. The market loves Quilly. They're going to overpay for Quilly. 
And I would be very careful here. Uh, I would not be parlaying Peter Quilly. Let's get more into the numbers and I'll talk to you uh, more about my concerns. All right, for Peter Quilly, the showstopper, 13, eight and one overall, two and three in his last five. From Dublin, Ireland, will obviously have the fan support. 38 years old, five foot 10 with a 74 and a half inch reach. He is a taller, longer, leaner fighter. And of course, trains out of the SBG Ireland. For Mr. Maselli, the cyborg, 11 and five overall, three and two in his last five. He's from Italy, 35 years old and 11 months. So he's in the same wheelhouse. He's only about a year or two younger uh, than Quilly. He's 5'7", a little bit shorter with no reach listed out of Cardono top team. Okay, let me get to my notes on these two fighters. Again, Peter Quilly by round two knockout is our prediction. But the money line is a little bit off. Cooley is on the worst slide of his career and starting to show a little bit of a, he's getting older. <laughs> he's losing a step. After winning the title over Pitbull in 2021, he's lost three in a row. In some ways, he's fighting for his contract. In some ways, they won't cut him after this. Like they won't let him go. But having him down on the prelim card, man, things have changed so quickly, right? This guy was headlining cards not too long ago. Now Cooley got KO'd pretty badly in his last fight and has been knocked out in two of his last three fights. The writing appears to be on the wall. What's the writing? Father Time. At best, Quilly has one or two more wins in him based upon our analysis. The matchmakers are doing him a favor here, giving him a journeyman like Maselli. Maselli isn't a pushover, though. He has a solid ground game and hasn't been around, and he's been around the block. He's a guy with experience. He debuted in Bellator, matter of fact, in 2016. It's uh, seven years ago. Now, didn't fight again after that. This will be a second fight back. Has been a journeyman, bounced around, has some decent wins in the regional scene. This will mark his second opportunity back at the promotion. Maybe he comes back with renewed energy, Maselli. Maybe he comes back thirsty, you know, looking to get himself a, a longer-term contract. Regardless of who wins the fight, it probably doesn't go the full distance. Combined, they've been to one decision in their last 15 fights. Let me repeat that. Combined, these two guys have been to one decision in the last 15 fights. I mean, a decision here would be statistically an outlier. So I expect us to see some violence at some point in the fight not going the full distance. Under two and a half rounds and the fight, no distance of the two spots. I like from a betting perspective. Do not parlay Peter Quilly. Let's move on. Making our way up the card. We're getting close to the main event. Welterweight bout, 170 pounders. Saba, Homasi, the sleek chic, a name you know, a name you recognize. He's been around, has fought in the UFC, uh, a fan favorite, I would say, against a name that I love saying, Levon Chokeli. Chokeli. Lo Chokeli is looking good, coming in here as a favorite, and we do like him to win. Specifically, we like Levon Chokeli to win this fight by a round, oh, decision, sorry. Uh, my note's not ready. So Levon Chokeli by decision is the prediction. He's minus 245 favorite, Saba Hamasi plus 200. Let me give you the numbers in these two guys. All right, Chokeli, 12-2 and two overall, 3-2 and two in his last five. He hails from Georgia, not Atlanta, Georgia, but the country of Georgia, like uh, where Ilya Taporia is from, like where Roman Delitz is from, like those crazy characters. He's 26 years old, 11 months, so about to be 27. Six foot in height with a 73-inch reach and trains out of Kazan MMA and Mixed Fight Georgia. As for the opponent here, Sabaho Masi. 17 and 11, tons of experience, dude. 18, 20, 28 fights there, not including amateur or grappling or whatever else. Two and three in his last five out of Coconut Creek, Florida, out of American top team to be specific, great gym. He's 34 years old, 11 months, getting up there, about to be 35. He's also six foot with a 71 inch reach. So height reach wise, that's a very similar. I mean, Saba Hamas is the kind of guy where when his name pops up across the, the wire, you want to wager on this guy. He does have some ability. He's very exciting. Tons of experience, 
But let's be honest, he's a bit of a shell of himself. He's not the guy that he used to be. And now fighting guys like Joe Kelly, he's going to be tested. I like Joe Kelly quite a bit here. Joe Kelly, by decision, is the pick. Now, let me read you some notes here. As they say, in with the new and out with the old type of thing. One door closes, one door opens. That's what's happening here. Hamas, he's had an amazing career, but his better days are definitely in the rear view. He's two and three in his last five, coming off of a round two knockout loss. He's been finished twice in his last five fights. Durability has always been an issue for him. Of his 11 losses, he's been finished nine times. A little bit of a stat that I just kind of forgot. Finished nine times. Hamasi tends to get knocked out or finished. This is Chokele's fight to lose. He has the better cardio and higher output. And he's displayed knockout power in the past. The only critique that we have of Chokele is his low finish rate over the last few years. Now, considering that Hamasi has suspect durability, this is Chokele's chance to score a finish. The matchmakers are giving Chokele the perfect opponent for him to earn a finish. Can Chokele rise to the occasion? Over 1.5 rounds, and Chokele is a parlay piece. I can't pull the trigger on Chokele to win at the distance because I haven't seen him do it very much recently. But Homasi again, has, you know, he's been fragile. Give me Chokele to win by decision. Let's move on. Making our way up the card, featherweight bout, 145-pounders, Daniel Weichel. This guy is the ultimate veteran. We'll talk about him in a second. 42 and 14, up against Mads Burnell. And Burnell, the young guy, is coming in here with a minus 270 money line up against Daniel Weichel, plus 220. I do agree. I like Matt Burnell quite a bit here. I like Matt Burnell to win by decision. As for their numbers and their records, let's talk some details. Again, Weichel goes by Drake. All right. My man's rocking the Drake nickname. I love it. 42 and 14 overall, two and three in his last five. So sliding recently, but man, that record is impressive. He's a German boy from Frankfurt, Germany, to be specific. About to turn 39, five foot 10, the 70 inch reach out of MA Spirit. As for Maz Burnell, 17 and 5 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five. He's from Denmark. He's the favorite here, about minus 275-ish in that range. He's 29, so about 10 years younger than Weichel. Five foot eight for Maz Burnell, a little bit shorter with a 68-inch reach. So height and reach-wise, there is a slight advantage there for Daniel Weichel. And for Maz Burnell, training out of Extreme Couture, one of the hottest gyms in the world right now. Of course, the home of uh, Mr. Sean Strickland and some other champions. Uh, doesn't um there's a few guys who train there. They're champions or other promotions, but uh, that gym is so hot right now. All right, as for their uh, breakdown, let me give you some numbers here. So Matt Brunel, by decision, Weichel is a relic. This guy's in the twilight years of his career. He's approaching 40 and starting to look every bit of his age. Now, considering he has fought more than 55 times, I mean, 55 fights, his body is probably the equivalent of like a 50-year-old man. I mean, he's 40 in real life almost. That stuff starts to add up. I just, I see him right now on the edge of falling off of a cliff. I've faded him recently. It's worked out for me. I'm fading him again because I feel like at this point, it's not, it, this guy, for example, 10 years ago, he probably won this fight. He was a badass. This guy's been around for a long time. You don't get 40 something wins in mixed martial arts if you're, you know, a slouch with this kind of record, this winning percentage. So the old version, yeah, but this guy's almost 40. I just can't get behind him for that reason. For Burnell, on an upward trajectory, looking to, be a possible title contender in the future. Barring some sort of mistake here, Burnell should capture the win without much resistance. Our only critique of Burnell is his recent lack of finishes. He's been to four straight decisions, and though Weichel is over the hill, he's still been pretty durable lately. More than likely, Burnell, Burnell's road to victory will be on the scorecard. I'm sorry, I hear people calling me here. Uh, betting strategy, over 1.5 rounds. Fight goes to decision, and Burnell as a parlay piece. Again, Mads Burnell by decision is the pick. Let's move on. Next up, a female bout, featherweight division, 145 pounders, Sinead Cavanaugh. 
and she will get a ton of fan support. She hails from Ireland, a former national champion boxer. Tons of love will be coming in for Sinead Kavanaugh. Her opponent, Sarah Collins, undefeated at 4-0, coming over from Australia. Before we get to the details of these two fighters, let me tell you that we do like Sinead Kavanaugh to win by decision. She's minus 135, about a pick and price. Sarah Collins at plus 114. We have faded Sinead Kavanaugh before. We've made that mistake. We ain't going to do it again. So uh, as for the details of these two fighters, Kavanaugh, again, the hometown kid, 9-5 and five overall from Dublin, Ireland, 37 years old. Five foot seven high with a 68 inch reach and trains out of SBG Ireland. As for her opponent, Sarah Collins from Australia, 33 years old. So youth definitely the side of Collins, but it's not as if she's 25. She's 33. She's they're both in their 30s. They're both in their mid-30s, right? Of course, with Collins being a little bit younger. Collins is five foot seven with a 68 and a half inch reach. That surprised me. I thought Collins was taller, but you know, topology could be off. And Collins is out of Resilience Training Center. Okay. Over here to the breakdown notes. Kavanaugh is the female Rocky of Ireland. If you don't know, a former national champion boxer, tons of heart. She got, she got a bit of a late start in her mixed martial arts career, which is why she did a lot of fights for her age, right? Decent wrestling defense for someone with a boxing background, though. The only time that she was outclassed in a mixed martial arts fight was against Cyborg. Some of her losses, a bit questionable, you know, poor decisions. Uh, she had a fight stop because of a cut. She fights through adversity. Um, you can watch her fight with blood all over her face. She's not going to back down. Again, the female Rocky of Ireland is, is sort of how I, I think of her. We faded her in her last fight against Harding, Janae Harding. Ugh, what a big mistake. I mean, Kavanaugh's a junkyard dog. It's not pretty all the time. Dirty boxing, in tight. You know, some of her technique sometimes is not the best, but she could take a punch. And for what it's worth, she is the hometown fighter. It's going to matter. Every time she lands a punch, it's going to be like, yeah, every time her opponent lands a punch, it's going to be like, cheap, 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 cheap. Uh, this is the second to second to last, what, three fights away from the main card? So the, the crowd will be packed. They're going to be there supporting the girl. Now, as for Collins, hot young prospect with an undefeated record. She earned a beautiful submission win earlier this year against Pam Sorensen. Now, beautiful on paper, right? Look at the fight, though. And Pam, Pam Sorensen, she's, a, she's all right. But basically, Pam takes her down and then makes a series of just mistakes and then sets Pam sets herself up to get submitted. And from her back, Collins pulls off a very nice, not a buggy choke, one of those very unique chokes from your back that you don't see very often. That only happens to somebody when they're making a bunch of mistakes. Um, so good for her. Kavanaugh is inexperienced, though. Um, this will be a step up for her in competition. The key, though, for Collins is this. I'm sorry, no, Kavanaugh is the more experienced fighter. She's the fighter who has fought the better competition. In the case of Collins, she's the one taking a step up in competition. All right, the key for Collins is this. Use her footwork to stay out of range. If she stays in the pocket with Kavanaugh, she's going to get chewed up. Again, former boxer, could take a punch, so on and so forth. So for Collins, move, dance, keep yourself at range, stay at a safe distance. Don't stand and trade with this rough junkyard dog of a fighter. All right, betting spots here. Over 2.5 rounds. The fight goes to decision. And Kavanaugh by decision. At minus 135, man, Kavanaugh on the line has got a ton of value. But it's probably by decision, right? It's probably not her finishing Collins. And if Collins wins this fight, by the way, I'm going to eat my words. I'm going to eat my words because I, I'm so high on Kavanaugh now. She's a hometown kid. I think she wins. So we'll see what happens. Let's keep it moving. And here we are, up to the common event. Another featherweight bout, 145-pounders, Pedro Carvalho, who goes by the game, versus Aaron Pico. And if you know anything about Aaron Pico, this kid, man, he is good. 
Uh, real good. Had a weird injury, a shoulder dislocation that stopped him a few fights ago. But otherwise, this guy has got gold in the future. Uh, tremendous wrestler, tremendous talent. Before we get to the breakdown, we'll tell you that we do like Aaron Pico by round one knockout. You can tell we're pretty high on him. He's a minus 1,100 favorite, so the market loves him too. Carvalho's at plus 700. You know, this line, it doesn't make sense because, again, I just told you Aaron Pico dislocated his shoulder uh, a few fights ago. He lost the fight because it wasn't his fault. A freak injury. That, that kind of happens. It's mixed martial arts. So I don't believe the line's appropriate. I do agree he should be the favorite, though, and I do like him by a round one TKO. Let's go with their numbers real quickly here. So for Mr. Pico, all right, no nickname listed on Tapology, but uh, this guy's all business. 11-4 and four overall, 4-1 four in his last five out of San Jose, California, 27 years old, 5'8", with a 70-and-a-half-inch reach, trains out of Jackson, Wink and May, had a former wrestling background in high school. For Pedro Garvalho, goes by the game, 13-7 overall, 2-3 and three in his last five. From Portugal, but now calls Dublin, Ireland home, so he's kind of Marlon, a little bit. A little bit of Irish love will be there for him. 28 years old. I forget how young he is. He's a very young guy. I think of him as being in his 30s, but he's, you know, just a guy who's been around for a minute. 5'11 for Pedro Carvalho with a 70 and a half inch reach. So height-wise, there will be a futures in the side of Pedro, but reach-wise about the same. And for Carvalho, he trains out of SBG Ireland. So a lot of fighters in this fight card, obviously, from that gym. There'll be some level of, you know, teamwork and camaraderie there for to help support one another. Okay. Pico by round one TKO is our prediction. Pico's the better fighter without question. It's a freebie for him in terms of the opponent. This shouldn't be much of a competition for him. He puts on a pace that his opponents really can't handle. All of his defeats included unique circumstances or youthful mistakes. Pico's destined for gold so long as Bellator exists. If the PFL were to acquire Bellator, I still think Pico would eventually become a PFL featherweight champion. This kid is that good. Now, Bellator, PFL, yeah. UFC, you know, it's it's a juggernaut of just crazy fighters in that division, but he still would hold his own in the UFC. That, that's for sure. Carvalho is a balanced fighter that based, is based out of Ireland. At the least, he'll have the fan support. If he could survive 15 minutes with Pico, that would be a moral victory. Carvalho's best chance is to extend the fight and try to defend takedowns. Early on, Pico's going to be manhandling him. Manhandling him, excuse me. If Carvalho can survive the first two rounds, maybe he can catch Pico with something lucky in the final round. A win by Carvalho would be a huge upset. Pico has lost before, though, because of a fluke injury. And for that reason alone, a sprinkler on Carvalho does make some sense. Under two and a half rounds, the fight does not go the distance. Pico to win into the distance. And then Carvalho inside the distance just because something happens, freak injury. That's going to pay out over plus 1,000. He's plus 100 right now on the main line. So just something to consider. Give me Aaron Pico by round one knockout as the co-main event. And here we are. We are up to the main event. Middleweight championship fight, 185 pounders. Fabian Edwards, the assassin, up against Johnny Eblen. Of course, Fabian Edwards is the brother of Leon Edwards, who's the current champion in uh, UFC. So uh, championship lineage, you do like that. Runs in the family. As for Johnny Eblen, though, this kid is undefeated. I shouldn't call him a kid. He's a grown-ass man. But undefeated, has been built up very well. Tremendous grappling game, wrestling game. And the market likes Eblen. Uh, Evans currently now sitting at minus five uh, five fifty. Wow, no, no, minus um five thirty five, and Edwards at plus four hundred. Still a huge, huge edge on the market to Evan. And the more you look at the fight, the more I don't agree with it. I think Fabian Edwards is a live dog, no question. I'm gonna put that out there right right away. But I do go with Evan to win by decision. That's my prediction. So Johnny Evan by split decision, split to be specific, is my prediction. Uh, big favorite to be going to a split, but Fabian Edwards 
he should not be a plus plus four hundred dog against anybody. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So um, from that standpoint, we'll work from there and kind of work backwards. Let's go over the numbers in these two guys. All right, for Evan, thirteen and zero. Five and zero, obviously, in his last five. From Coconut Creek, Florida, trains at an American top team, 31 years old, six foot one, so is Fabian. 74 inch reach, though, for for Eblin, 79 and a half for Edwards. Much more reach advantage there on the side of Fabian. For the gyms, again, American top team for Eblin, uh, ultimate training center for Edwards. I want to say this, though Edwards is training with his brother. Okay. His brother is a UFC champion. So Edwards is training with the best. Punto. Okay. All right. Edwards. 12 and 2 overall, 3 and 2 in the last five fights out of England. Big dog here, 30 years old, 6 foot 1 with a 7 and a half inch reach. All right, so we have the particulars of these two guys. Let's go into our breakdown notes here. So, Johnny Evan by split is our prediction. It's a really good fight. A matter of fact, this is a fight that probably will, will go under the radar this weekend. You know, it's, it's going to be happening at the same time that UFC will be on. And I, I can go and get on my, my soapbox here, but I do not, for the life of me, understand why Bellator or anyone on God's green earth puts on a mixed martial arts event that overlaps with the UFC. It's just dumb because what's going to happen here is 11 o'clock a.m. This car will start, right? 11 a.m. Cool. It's 21 fights, man. <laughs> By the time the main card comes around, UFC will already be on. When this fight's taking place, UFC will be full into, you know, into gear. And so all the UFC fans are going to miss this fight. It's a shame because it's a really good one. But uh, I'll have two screens on. I'll be watching this one somehow. But uh, a very talented fight and a great match. A great uh, great job by Bellator putting this fight together. Now, though we're going with Evelyn, the money line is a problem. Edwards is a solid contender that's never been finished. This bout has all the makings of a close decision. Edwards must stay off his back to have a chance to win. Evelyn is a balanced fighter, but he's most effective when he's on the ground, on top, top control, position control. It isn't as if Evelyn is a poor striker, though. He can hold his own on the feet. Though I would say this. If Evelyn tries to strike with, with Edwards, that would be a bad idea. Edwards is the brother of Leon Edwards, current UFC champion. If Fabian wins, it will be the first time in UFC, MMA, Bellator, those three promotions history, that two siblings would hold crowns at the same time. Now, we do know, of course, um, Sergio Pettis had a crown or does have a crown in Bellator. His brother, uh, Anthony Pettis, was one time a champion in UFC. There's been different times in history where siblings have been the champion. There's never been multiple champs at the same time in Bellator and UFC. So we could have history if he were to become the champion. The market's sleeping on Edwards. He's explosive, durable, and again, he trains daily with one of the best to ever do it. The betting value here is clearly on the side of Edwards, in my humble opinion. The closer you look at this fight, the more you start to gravitate towards the Edwards side. There's nothing about Edwards that should make him a plus four underdog. Nothing. Arguably, he could hold his own in the UFC as well. At plus four to range on the money line, this could end up looking like a steal when the fight is over. Over 3.5 rounds, the fight goes the full distance, and the fight ends up in a split decision are the props that we'll be looking at. All right. Whew. That is your full card breakdown for Bellator 299. Uh, obviously, leaving out a few fights. Uh, we had to skip a few just due to time constraints. We apologize. And it was a light overview. We weren't going into this fight breakdown as much uh, detail as we do some of our UFC events or just other fight cards, again, due to time constraints. But I will be watching this fight card. I, I can't wait to see what the outcome is in some of these fights. I can't wait to see the main event, of course. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, how many more times will I be able to watch Bellator? You know, how many? Like, at some point, the news is going to break. Now, Bellator has this event, 300 and 301, all scheduled, which is great. I love it. Keep it going, right? Business as usual. 
but at some point it's coming. Uh, we're going to hear about it in two weeks, three weeks, two days, I don't know, a month. The news will come through. Now, when the news comes through, they probably keep 300 and 301. They probably do those events, but the news is coming. And so I'm going to enjoy every bit of Bellator the best I can. In two years from now, we'll talk about Bellator and new MMA fans will be like, what is Bellator? Yeah, it used to be a promotion. It used to be very competitive. And I'm not happy they're going away. I'm not happy they're being absorbed. I think more promotions is better. I think variety is better. And I don't blame Bellator for selling. It makes sense. Money is money. You got to do what you got to do. I heard they've been losing money. Um, but with that said, in, in the ideal world, it would be Bellator, it would be UFC one, and all these players out there competing for the best fighters in the world, raising the, the value of, of free agency. And by getting absorbed, in essence, by another company that's already in the market, we're, we're giving less opportunities to the fighters. Now, you can argue, well, by absorbing Bellator, it, it creates a super promotion, right? Eh. People get laid off when that happens. So, you know, the person who does the you know, video, whatever, editing for, for Bellator, the person who does the video editing for PFL, one of them's going to go. You know what I mean? The person who does the posters for PFL, the person who does the posters for PF, you know, PF, someone's going to go. And in the process, also, there's going to be a lot of lower-level fighters that lose their contract, especially in the PFL, because PFL has been a gateway the last three or four years for fighters that probably should not have fighting in major promotions, right? But they get a shot there. If Bellator was absorbed by PFL, the quality of the fighter would go way up right away. The roster increases, definitely. I like that. But then all the little guys get shoved out. It's like good old-fashioned gentrification. Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and when they were gentrifying, you know, Bedford-Stuyvesant, it's great. The houses look better. The streets are cleaner. But the people that were from there, the natives can't afford to live there anymore. The rent prices have gone up. The taxes have gone up. And they get moved further into the other side of, you know, of town, the other side of the tracks. So if you're a, a, a lightweight on the PFL roster or even the Bellator roster and this merger happens, you're going to be SOL. And so I do feel for those fighters. But just give me the news. Announce it already. Uh, everyone seems to be saying the same thing. PFL has, in essence, agreed to a deal to buy Bellator. So it's like, let's pull the trigger. Tell us it's up. We want to know. Okay, guys, enjoy Bellator 299. I'll be enjoying it. Um, I apologize for a different setup today. I'm, I'm obviously downstairs in my house. My wife is using the studio, but I wanted to squeeze in this breakdown. Uh, again, the, the, the sound is probably not great either. I'm using my laptop microphone instead of my normal studio setup. But uh, hope you enjoy the breakdown. Please like and subscribe. I'll see you guys soon. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Tons of mixed martial arts, LFA, uh, UFC, uh, Bellator. It's all out there. Of course, next Tuesday, don't miss us on our pre-fight show and live watch party for Contender Series. That's every Tuesday starting at 7.30 p.m. I'll see you guys soon. Much love. E-L-E. -E. Peace. <laughs>